We've been covering verses 8 and 9, which are all focused on Sunia. And let us just remind ourselves on what it is that we are listening to. Because Guruji has spent time explaining to us the benefits of listening, but we have to be aware of what it is that we're listening to, which isn't covered in these verses. We have to look at the previous verses to understand what does Guruji want us to listen to. And we read in previous verses, Matvich Ratana Jivahar Manik Je Ik Gurki Sikh Suni. So we're listening to the Sikhya, the teaching of the Guru. What is the teaching of the Guru that is in the Mool Mantar, beginning with Ikwankar? What the Guru wants you to learn is that there is one thing present all the time. And when we remember that, When we realize that, then Guruji tells us that by listening to this, by being aware of this, Dukh Parhar Sukh Kar Jai. That the cause of our Dukh is not understanding Ekonka, not living with this knowledge day in and day out. Forgetting Ikonkar is the cause of our suffering. And moment by moment, every second that we forget is the moment that we are suffering. Akajiva visre marjao. When I recite, when I remember, when I'm aware, that's when I'm alive. When I forget, I am struggling, I am dying. So this listening that Guruji gives so much importance to, four Bodhya are covered just on the importance of listening. How we listen, what we need to listen to, Moment by moment, we need to be aware. Guruji is actually talking about awareness here. It isn't about a sound. Sonia is not about a particular sound. It's about being attentive. The only way for you to truly listen to someone is if you yourself are silent. If you're talking, if your mind is talking, you cannot, you cannot hear what the other person is saying. So listening is more about you, the listener, than it is about the one doing the talking. And the Guru has explained that through the Guru's muk, 
through the Guru's instructions, through the Guru's words, through the Guru's teachings, the Guru will show you Nad. Gurmukh Nadan. Guru will show you, if you are silent within yourself, Guru will show you the Nad that resides within you. What do we mean by Nad? The simplest way to understand that is aliveness. That which is present right now. You know, when you're in a room, without your eyes being open, you can feel when somebody else walks into that room. Even if they make no sound, you can feel the presence of somebody else if they're in that room or if you're in the room on your own. But it needs you to be aware. In the same way, when you stop your mind from constantly talking, you will feel there is a presence within you. Imagine yourself as an empty room. Within that empty room, there's a presence of something. That aliveness is not you. That aliveness is given to you. That presence that there is something here. That is what you're listening to, not just within yourself, but everywhere, all around. When you feel that nad, gurmukha nadang, then the guru will give you the understanding, what is this nad? That is gurmukha vedang. Guru gives you the gyan about what is this, what is this presence? Who is this? And then the Guru will make you realize that that Nad which is within you, once you understand it, you will see Gurmukh Rahya Samai. That Nad is everywhere. This is what you're listening to. You're listening to the presence of something alive within you and that something alive is all around you. <clears throat> So we break down these barriers of me versus the other. Because there is no real me and there is no real other. There is only one Nad everywhere. That is what we're listening to. And Guruji explains the state of someone who is in that sense of awareness all the time. Guruji talks about you are elevated to Sid Peer Surnath. How do these people reach that level? How does somebody become a Sid? How do they become a Peer? Because they go within themselves, they find that within themselves. Guruji says that you are Isar Barma Ind. You will understand who is the true destroyer, who is the true creator, who is the king of kings. Once you know your Nad. And Guruji explains the people who are in this state all the time are always free from suffering. They are completely carefree. Nanaka Pagata Sadavigas. Guruji ends every one of the four Sonia bodies explaining who are the people who are in this state and what is it like to be in this state. So in verse 10, we continue. 
सुनिए सत संतोख ज्ञान सुनिए बाय लिसनिंग लिसनिंग राइट नाउ द वर्ड सुनिए इज अ प्रेजेंट टेंस वर्ड वी सीन अ फ्यूचर टेंस एग्जांपल ऑफ दिस वर्ड इंस्टेड ऑफ अ सिहारी गुरुजी विल यूज अ बिहारी फ्रॉम सुनिए बीइंग अ प्रेजेंट टेंस वर्ड we get suniye gaviye suniye man rakhiye pao these are future tense words yeah so here this is by listening right now sat here the word sat means charitable giving and where you see the word sat with santok always combined gurbani uses sat santokh quite a lot where you see those words combined the sat in that example means giving being charitable giving santokh means contentment gyan means wisdom or knowledge notice all of these words are singular words we know that because they have an ankara at the end sat is a sanskrit word there are many different meanings for sat we've covered that when we talked about satnam sat can mean truth sat can mean existence here it's a sanskrit word meaning charity being charitable so how do we translate this line sunya sat santok gyan by listening one achieves charity contentment and ultimate wisdom this is not just any gyan it's a word which has an ankara underneath which means the one gyan the single most important gyan the ultimate gyan the ultimate wisdom by listening one achieves charity contentment ultimate wisdom or we can say by listening one becomes charitable one becomes content one becomes charitable one becomes content one obtains that wisdom and wise they become charitable content and wise another way to translate this line is to say listening alone is enough by listening you get everything that you don't need to go and give lots to charity you don't need to go look for different types of sukh you don't need to pursue different types of knowledge that listening alone is enough that's another way to translate this so why are sat and santok usually brought together why is charity and contentment brought together we only give when we feel content if you yourself are lacking in anything if desires remain if you're still wanting more then your in the mindset of obtaining things once you have obtained if you feel satisfied 
then only you can feel like giving. So charity, being charitable, being giving and contentment are synonymous. That's why Gurbani uses Sat Santok. A selfish person is still lost in desires, full of maya, love of maya. So they cannot think of giving. They can only hope to receive more. But the focus of this line isn't about being charitable. It's about sunya. That's what the focus of this line is. So giving alone is not the focus here. Giving lots to charity, being compassionate, is commendable, but is not enough for taram. Taram is at a much higher level. Somebody who gives a lot to charity, does a lot of charity work, that alone is commendable, but isn't what taram is about. Taram is about being present, about being aware of your presence. Not as an individual, but the presence that is within you. Sunya Sat Santok Gyan Sunya Atsat Ka Isnan By listening, the word Atsat is a number it means 68. The number 68. At, eight, sat, 60. Ka ishnan. Bathing in the 68. So historically there have been 68 places of pilgrimage where people would go for holy bathing. I would imagine that there I've, I've seen, wherever I've looked at these things in Barney, we saw in the previous verses about uh, Lok and Parlok, Deep Lok, Patal. And in Hindu scriptures, all of these have been listed. So the names of each of the Loks have been listed. When Gurbani talks about Nonidya, Thara, Siddhya, all of those are listed. Yeah? Whether they're listed in Gurbani or not, I'm not sure. But certainly, if you go look at the research of um, the people who've done um, the Tika of Guru Granth Sahib, the explanation of each uh, line and each word, Mahan Kosh, Professor Sahib Singh, for example, they will list wherever they can what these places are. So I would imagine that all 68 places are known. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a, just a random number. This is a known figure, but I would imagine each one of those. But most of this around that time was usually around the known world around India. It wouldn't have even included the Americas and Europe and as far as that. It's what was known to the people. Of, yeah, Arabia, Nepal, maybe going into a bit of China, that sort of area, uh, all the way to the south of India, Sri Lanka, places like that. Uh, that would have been the kind of the known. And we must remember that India was a lot what, bigger uh, than what we have today. By listening, one bathes at the 68 places of pilgrimage. Or listening is equivalent to the benefit of bathing. 
at the 68 places. So notice Guruji here isn't again concerned with the 68 places. That's not the concern here. If you wanted to go visit the 68 places, Guruji is saying, actually, if you just listen and be aware within yourself, all the benefit that you believe you'll obtain from those places, you'll get from within yourself. And something that's hotly debated still, do we need to go and have Ishanan at Harmandar Sahib? We ask for that in the Ardas every day. Yeah. We ask for this idea that we need to bathe in the holy places. Some people will tell you that you must go to Hemkund Sahib. There's this belief that before you turn 60, you have to at least once in your lifetime go to Hemkund Sahib and have Ishnan up there. About Hazur Sahib, lots of places like that. We have to question that, don't we? We have to see what is Guru saying. There are, there are two ways to look at this. One is, Gurbani says, Tirath Navan Jao, Tirath Naam Hai. Tirath Guru Shabad Vichar Antar Gyan Hai. I do bathe in this Tirath, but Naam is my Tirath. Shabad is my Tirath. Internal wisdom is my tirat. Yeah? But the people who argue for going and doing all these ishnan at these various places, they ask a very valid question. Why did Guru create all these pools? It's not like there weren't wells at that time. It's not like people didn't bathe. There weren't rivers for people to go and bathe in. Why did Guru create these pools? So we have to really combine our understanding of history with our understanding of Gurbani. For me personally, I think water brings a very important element in meditation. You can go and sit at any of the Gurdwari and try and sit outside and just meditate. Then you go to Siri Darbar Sahib what is the one difference? It's also Gurdwara. Yeah? Water makes a massive difference. And historically we've seen that water has been a place where people would go at the banks of water to meditate. Even the very site where Paramandar Sahib is made is supposed to be a historic meditating ground. It used to be a sarovar there anyway. So I think we underestimate how some of these elements, we've almost forgotten that should we be meditating near water, maybe there's an element of that. Now you also look that a lot of meditation happened under trees. If you look at our history, there's a lot of meditation and a lot of things that have happened with specific trees. There are a lot of stories associated with types of tree. Again, maybe there's something there a part of our history that we've lost. It could just be that it's very hot in India, and if you're going to sit down, you sit in the shade. There's a practical element of that. It could just be completely practical. Or there could be something more to it. But either way, Gurbani has always emphasized this fact 
that if you don't have a sarovar to go to, if you don't have a tree to go to, don't think that isn't a reason to meditate. Now, I don't personally believe that the Guru would place some sort of limitation on people, saying that those who can't travel to Amritsar, they're not going to be fully enlightened, they can't achieve, because that doesn't make sense. Why would Guru Nanak Dev Ji travel all over the world to spread his message if he's going to tell people, but in order to complete your journey, you've got to come back to where I live? Doesn't seem to make sense. Yeah? Look at this Shabad. Guru Ram Das Ji sings this Shabad about who is a Sikh. And he says, Gur Satgur Ka Jo Sikh Akhaye So Palke Uthar Naam Tiaye. Somebody who calls themselves a Sikh of the Guru, the Satguru, wakes up early in the morning and meditates on Har Naam. Uddham kare palke parbhati ishnan kare amrit sarnave. They wake up early, they make an effort to rise, wake up early, to rise up early. Palke parbhati, early in the morning. Ishnan kare. They bathe, but they bathe in Amritsar. What does that mean? How can it be true that Guruji is saying that a Sikh is somebody who has to bathe in Amritsar every morning? Or does the meaning of Amritsar mean that within you is a sarovar of Amrit and within that is the bathing that you must do? That is the Ishnan. Within you, when you wake up in the morning, you must bathe within the sarovar of Amrit that is within you. Within you is Amrit. And within every single one of you, make no mistake, it's not just within the Amritaris. Within everyone is Amrit. Guruji says, a Sikh is somebody who wakes up early, who makes the effort to bathe in that Amrit Sarovar, in that pool of nectar within them. That can be the only definition of the Shabbat. It cannot be that you have to go to Amritsar every morning to have your Ishnan. What if people even translate this that saying they have to bathe in the morning? But that cannot be the meaning either because what if you wake up one morning and there is no water? Does that mean you cannot meditate? Guru has taken all restrictions away from you. As long as you're there, you can meditate. Make no reasons to have excuses. I haven't done my Ishnan in the morning. I can't meditate. That's not the meaning of the Shabbat. The next line, Upadesha Guru Har Har Jap Japa. They listen to the teachings of the Guru and they recite Har Har. This is, in each line, Naam has come in. Yeah? So, Palke Ut Har Naam Teave. They wake up in the morning, Naam. Amrit Sar Again, that is an element of Naam. They go within themselves and they're in the bathing in Naam of Amrit. Upadesh Guru, they listen to the teaching of the Guru and they recite Har. So when you look a little bit deeper into Shabbos like this, then you understand that Naam is the bathing. 
And Sunya is talking about Naam. Naam is the awareness of that presence. So in the past, it was believed that going to these sacred places, these holy bathing places, that you would wash off your sins. You go there to wash off your sins. So another way to translate this line is that Sunya will wash off your sins. Rather than going to these Atsat Tirat, yeah, instead of going to these places and bathing in these places to wash your sins off, because we always end with Sunya Dukha Papka Nas. Sins will be destroyed. This is clarification of that line. You will not need to go and wash off your sins. In fact, Guru has rejected this idea that washing from the body alone is going to get rid of sins. Yeah? How can washing the external get rid of the sins? Yeah? If your body is dirty, if your hands are dirty, wash them with, with water. Yeah? If your clothes are dirty, take some soap and wash them. But what is the solution if your mind is dirty? Only Naam can clean your sins. It's a different subject that we go into, what are sins? Yeah? But if you believe you're full of sin, Naam is the only thing that can clean your sins, and you can bathe in that Naam wherever you are. You don't have to go somewhere else to bathe and clean that sin. Wash your sins. If your mind is dirty with sins, yeah, how can cleaning your body help? Yeah. If there is a oneness, ekonkar, you need the next word, satanam. Nam is what you need to get to. All of Sikhi is contained there. Guruji could have stopped right there. Ekonkar, satanam, go home. Now do it. Yeah, the rest of Guru Granth Sahib Ji is to explain this concept. Nam ik. Sunye atsat ka isnan. Sunye pad pad pavhe man. So pad pad means reading and reading. Yeah, the intellectuals. This is now talking to the intellectuals. First it talks to the charitable people, the ones who think they're superior by, by doing lots of seva. Then it addresses the ones who think they're superior because they've been to all the holy places. Now it addresses the intellectuals, the ones who think they're superior because they've read all the books. Man means honor. Yeah, you get honor. You get 
exalted. People see you, put you in a high place. They see you as someone important because you've read all the books, you've got all the knowledge. So what is Guruji saying? Guruji saying is, if you're listening, if you're in that state of listening, you obtain all the honor that you would obtain by reading all the difficult books. Yeah? Grants after grants. Think about how much knowledge has been collected over time. Not even in just the Indian tradition. That alone will take you a lifetime to read all those books. With all the ancient worlds, the Greeks had the libraries of Alexandria. They had these big, great libraries where they collected all of the wisdom from around the world. The Persians had lots and lots of knowledge. Yeah, great scholars. The Guruji says that this is limited. Listening to yourself, finding that presence within yourself, that is the highest man. Yeah, that's the highest honor that you get. So Guru doesn't value knowledge from books alone. The knowledge that you get from experiencing your own self, that is what is valuable to the Guru. When you've gone within yourself and sat and observed that which is there, found your Atma and how it is connected to Param Atma within yourself, that is a Jnani. Today we're very quick to call people Jnani, yeah, because they've read all the books. To me, that's a Granthi. Granthi is somebody who's read all the Granths. Jnani is somebody completely different. Somebody who has Jnan within themselves of what they are, what the divine is, what this Ikkunkar is, that's a Jnani. Somebody who's read all the books uh, should be respected. They've gone and done a lot of research. But they are a Granthi. Yeah? There's a difference. See, Guruji talks about these people as well. Kya padhiye, kya guniye, kya ved purana suniye. What is the point of all of this reading, all of this chanting, all of these listening to these Vedas and the Purans, these historic scriptures? What is the point of all of this? Pade sune kya hoe jo sahaj na What have you achieved by doing all this reading and listening to all this knowledge if you haven't found contentment, peace, stillness within yourself? What's the point of all this? Guruji is challenging these people. So reading and reading alone, no value. Going to all the places of pilgrimage, no value. Doing lots of charity work, no value. Yeah? And this concept is not just something that the gurus have picked up on. All the spiritual masters have always talked about this thing. Around sort of the, I believe the 1800s, there's a very famous Sufi mystic known as Bulesha. And one of his most favorite poems addresses this same issue about reading. Baba Bulesha says, Padapad alam te fazal hoya te kade apne apnu padiyaini. By reading, you've become 
very honorable, very knowledgeable. But you've never read yourself. You've read all the books, but you've never read yourself. You running to all of the mosques, to all of the temples, but you've never gone within your own mind. Every day, uselessly, you're fighting Satan, but you've never fought your own ego. He's talking to himself. Yeah? He's not addressing anyone else. He says, this is what we do. We focus on all these things. Bullesha. Asmani urdia fronda e te jeda kar betha onu fariyaini. You're chasing after the things, the angels and the fairies floating in the sky, but that which is sitting in your own home, that you've never caught. So, this idea of going within yourself is the such of all tarams. They've all known this thing that the external is temporary, the external is useless. There is something inside you and this is the one thing that nobody teaches us. Look everywhere, in every tradition. The traditions, the rituals, the appearance. That is the thing that is valued. That's the thing that's promoted. Every single thing within our original traditions has a reason because it allows you to go back within yourself. It allows you to maintain that dhyan. And... Slowly by slowly, all those traditions are wearing away. Rag Kirtan, the original instruments. Ladivar, reading Gurbani where there's no breaks. Imagine the concentration that's needed to read a line of Gurbani like that. Now it's simplified. We think, oh, it's good, it's modernized. Reading in the same way. All of these traditions we lose. Yeah. So... There's no man in these things. There's no honor in these things. Sunye has the real honor. Sunye par par pave man. Sunye lage sahaj tyan. So lage means to obtain, to get. Sahaj means stillness. Absolute tranquility. Tyan. This is a fascinating word. Tyan today, we think, means concentration. You know, your parents will tell you, Tyan nal kam karo. Yeah? Concentrate, do it, don't let your mind go anywhere else. But Tyan, in a Taram perspective, means far more than concentration. It means awareness. And there's a difference. Concentration you do with the mind. Awareness is behind the mind. He's not using the mind to focus. This is why actually even what we call meditation isn't what we're talking about. Meditation, the way it's taught in the West, is like focus. But there's a problem with that. You notice if you're trying to do your meditation and you're focusing on doing it, it's like you're trying to squeeze something, like you're trying to hold something. Tian 
Imagine you're trying to obtain the air. Imagine you're trying to hold the air. If you close your hand, how much air will you have in there? Hardly anything. That's meditation. Focus, concentrate. Don't think about anything else. Dhyan is letting go. It's not focusing. It's about relaxing. It's a completely different approach. One is tight, tense, focus, concentrate. That's how we use the word Dhyan. But the real meaning of the word Dhyan is to open, not to close. If you want to hold the air, with a closed hand you have nothing. As soon as you open your hand, you have the air. Dhyan and meditation is the difference between a closed hand and an open hand. The same thing we do with our mind. We're not focusing on trying to find something. We're not sitting there and really trying to focus our, our concentration that we hold on to something. No, we're doing the opposite. We're letting go and just watching what is there. That letting go and watching is dhyan. Simply just being in a state of observing that which is already there rather than trying to hold on to something and push something away. Yeah? Something to be aware of when you're sitting in meditation. If you find yourself concentrating, this is why we spend half the time in the meditation relaxing. Because you can't meditate if you're concentrating, if you're focusing, if you're tight. That's not what dhyan is. Dhyan is openness. When you open, that which is there is there. Thoughts come in, you watch them. You allow them to float away. You don't hold on to them. As a thought comes in, this is why we say, when you're meditating, as a thought comes in, or did I leave the stove on, all these kind of thoughts come running into mind. We don't judge them. The mind is going to do that. That's the function of the mind, to remind you of stuff. Yeah, It's like your to-do list. It's, that's what your mind does. Remind requires the mind. Yeah, That's why we use the word remind. Antar gur aradhana jeva jap gurnao. There's two ways to look at this. One is, within yourself, focus on the guru. Yeah? What people do with this line is because we don't understand Shabad Guru, we take a murti of the Guru. Antar Guru Aradhana. Chalo Guru Nanak de Tiyan We'll sit and think about Guru Nanak. That's not what this means. Guru has many meanings. We covered this in Guru Prasad. Guru also means technique. Yeah? Antar Guru Aradhana. Awaken the techniques within you. That internal technique, awaken that. Aradhana means to awaken. That technique, the gur, which is inside you, the possibilities which are inside you, onu jagao. Fer jeva jap gurnao. When you jap, when your mind is doing jap, then you're just in the mind. Antar gur aradhana is like switch on the tyan within you. Fer jeva jap gurnao. Fer netri satgur pekna. When you know the guru within yourself, then with your eyes you'll be able to see guru everywhere. Yeah? Sravani sunna guru nao. Gur, gurnao, satgur. They're synonymous. They're all mixed up in this Shabbat. So naam is the, the main thing. Awaken this naam within you 
then when you recite Naam, it is connected with the Naam inside you. Then you'll see Naam everywhere. Then you'll hear Naam everywhere. Satkur Siti Ratya Darge Payetau. Then you'll find heaven. Heaven Hekate. Yeah, within you. Hmm? What is heaven? We're not going somewhere else. If you have Naam within you, Naam on your tongue, Naam in your eyes, Naam in your ears, Ape Darga Bangana. You're in heaven then, no? Yeah. So you will obtain lage, sahaj, you will obtain stillness, you will obtain dhyan. The mind is constantly awake, talking, but dhyan is awake. There's an awakeness inside you. You just sit within yourself and you realize, that alone should be enough. Be aware of that. Then you ask him, what is this man? Why do I call it man? Really, something is here. Not necessarily man is here, but something is here. I've just called it man. Man is just a label. What we're saying is aliveness is here. Consciousness is here. I'm awake. I can think. I'm, I'm aware of my own presence. I'm here. That's what you're calling man. That I can... See, I can feel, I can hear. There is a I amness here. That I amness we've labeled man, but that I amness is you. Lage sahaj But this happens through practice. This is why we do the meditations. This is why I encourage you go home, carry on practicing. Must practice this meditation. So that what we're doing is as thoughts are coming in, we just let the thoughts go. We let them float away. We're starting to detach ourselves from the thought. <laughs> Otherwise, we think, I am thinking this thought. This is my thought. And we associate with the, with the thought. But what we're doing here is we're remembering that we're the torch. We're remembering we're the sky. And just letting these things float and let them float away. But the sky remains the same. Clouds change, the sky remains the same. That's dhyan. Nanak pagata sada vigas sunya duk papkanas. Nanak reminds us that the people who are doing this, the pagats, they are constantly free, joyful, playful, sada vigas, because they've got rid of their suffering, because they've detached from the home of suffering. Mind is the home of suffering. They now not attached to that. There's no link between them and the mind. So they've got rid of duk, they've got rid of pap. 